Welcome to the Outdoor Country Talk Podcast, hosted by Jacob Poole and Jeremy Shaw, where we bring country living and the great outdoors together. Welcome back to another episode of Outdoor Country Talk. All right, folks, tonight's going to be just a little bit different. Jeremy has got hung up at the dirt bike track, so tonight it's just going to be me and my guest, Mr. Anthony Ballard from Brandon, Mississippi. Mr. Anthony, how are you this evening? Doing well, man. What about you? Oh, I'm doing fine. It's a it's it's a Tuesday night here, and we're trying to get everything done. And you know, had a had a little luck hunting the other day, so trying to stay ahead of things. And just been a been a long time. Had a had a long trip to Utah. And but before we get into anything, I, I've got an announcement I want to make, just in case anybody in our local area doesn't know. November fourteenth. Out at Milt Burris' skeet shooting range, they are going to do a fundraiser skeet shoot. I think they're looking for as many teams as they can get. I'm not sure what the prizes are, but I know the fundraiser is for a local, uh, I say local, for one of our game warden friends down in Louisiana. I think he was diagnosed with cancer, and they're doing a fundraiser just to kind of help out a few things. So a really great call, really great guy. If anybody wants to put a team together, get up with Chris Duck. And I will try to get Chris's number and put it on the site whenever we post this. I know this one will come out in another week or so, so it'll be right before the event. But if anybody is looking to put a skeet shooting team together, get up with me, message me on here. We'll make sure that you get a team in. I think it's 450 per team. I know as of today, he had about five teams in, and they were hoping to have, you know, 15 to 20 plus anybody wants to make a donation or do a sponsorship they would they will gladly accept it like i say it goes to help one of our local area game wardens who has you know run into a little bit of something that probably could use a little help with and and a little little thoughts and prayers to go along with that so like i say if anybody needs it needs any information we're going to post it on our site and, and just get up with me and we'll make sure that we get you to the right place we'll be there shooting uh jeremy and i are going to do a team well, little buddy Hayden and I think Uncle Allen. So competition will be fierce. If you can come and put it on us, come put it on us. But all right. Well, Anthony, you know, you you and I, we had a we, we did a show not long ago, and, and we had a whole different hat on, whole different attitude or or not attitude. We covered different subject. But I told you when we were visiting that you had sent me a picture that just had me intrigued. <laughs> and I know you know where I'm going with this, but tonight, yep, yep. tonight we're not we're not talking about in a professional capacity. We're talking about a hunting capacity. Some of your stories, some of the stuff that you've gotten into over the years. But the main thing I want to know about is how in the world you ever got a blue healer that will retrieve ducks. The blue dog. Old blue dog. Um. Well, Blue Dog's name is Bentley, and he's about three years old now. I think he'll be four in March. And, um, you know, they say the, that necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. And that's kind of that's kind of personified there with old Blue Dog. Um, I always joke and say that I didn't have a duck dog, so I just made one. But uh, I had, actually had a neighbor that was, we were good friends, and he had two labs, and he kind of, I'd started to get into duck hunting about the time I had gotten Bentley, um, a little after that. And, uh, and I was, I was always kind of inspired by this guy's dogs because he had them very well trained, you know, just basic obedience and then, and good retrievers as well, you know, good bloodlines and all this. And we were talking about it and, and, you know, we'd been hunting several times with his and he said, well, why don't you, why don't you train your dog to retrieve? Like, um, not sure if you've met my dog. He's a Australian catalog. He's a blue healer. And, uh, you know, they don't, they don't make them to do that. And he's like, well, he can swim. I said, yeah, he can swim. He swims fine. He said, he loves to retrieve. He's a fool for a tennis ball. I said, yeah. He said, you can teach him anything in the world. I said, yeah, I can do that. He was like, well, hey, teach him to retrieve ducks. And so there began the, the saga <laughs> and he kind of, he kind of trained me to train Bentley on, on how to do it. And, you know, there's, 
he has good days and bad days, just like every other dog, I guess. But there are days I put him up against any lab out there. Well, over the years, I have a couple of hunting buddies that, you know, they say my dog name, name has changed multiple times throughout a hunt. <laughs> you know, it starts off as yep. sunny and there's no telling what it ends up with. Now, as long as she's doing what she's supposed to, when she's supposed to, it stays sunny. But sometimes when we have what you just said right there, those off days, yeah, her name can rotate and there's no telling what it might be that day. It could be a four letter word. It could be a, you know, it may be sweetheart. It may be something else, but. Well, see, I've got something. What, what breed, what breed of dog do you have as a retriever? She's a lab. Okay. So I've got something that you don't have though. Because when your dog has a bad day, it's a lab that had a bad day, and it's like, well, we had a bad day. But with me, see, I'm in a win-win situation. Because when he does really well, when he's on his game and he's doing everything he's supposed to, I can sit back and go, hey, look at that. I can make a blue healer do that. Oh, and no when doubt. he has a, a bad day, I can go, well, hey, what do you expect? You're a blue healer. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, it's a win-win. All right. I never would have thought of that that way. I know this. The day you sent me the picture of him perched up there with the duck, I'm like, all right, this is just a joke. He's having fun. Well, then you kind of told me a little bit about it. I'm like, oh, that is awesome. I mean, I have an Australian shepherd at the house that absolutely hates water. I mean, she will not get near the pond. She's not, if the water hose is on, she's on the other side of the house. The kids actually Mm -hmm. tie her to a pole to bathe her and she will sit there for it because she (laughs) loves them. But she does not like it at all. You can tell she doesn't like it. And now, Sonny, our lab, she's over just begging for it. Like, you know, hey, watch me, watch me. And you throw anything in the water, and she's hitting it just as hard as she can. She dive bombs everything she hits. Now, about the biggest fuss she and I have is a lot of times she will get to where she's showboating on the way out, especially if she can walk. If she's swimming, she's swimming just as hard as she can. But if she can walk, she'll hit that granny gear like she knows you're fixing to take her picture. And it's like, would you come on? I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I need you to go get the other five. You know, please come on. Yep. And, but, so how did you start? I mean, I, I get your idea. You know, you didn't have any, that was your dog. And a man talked you into it and said, hey, look, you know, you can train. But I mean, was it a, the first time the tennis ball went to water, was it intentional or not? So he had always been, he, he would always just love the tennis ball since he was a puppy. And we'd throw it around the yard and that kind of thing. Well, inevitably, you're going to throw the ball and it's going to go somewhere where he can't find it. So we had already started sort of a rudimentary handling, so to speak, without really calling it that. Because I got tired of walking out there and finding the ball and throwing it for him again because I was retrieving, not him. So we had kind of started to work on that already. And honestly, he had developed such a love for for going to retrieve that tennis ball that it didn't matter where I threw it. I could throw it into a volcano. I could throw it into the water. I could throw it 100 yards, you know, into a field. And he was going to get it. It didn't matter. Just has a drive. Um, Yeah, he just had that drive to retrieve. And also, I mean, people that know that, are around working dogs and have had them and that kind of thing. They just have such, they have two things working for them. Number one, um, they have a, a huge amount of intelligence. They're very trainable. They're very smart. They, they're problem solvers. And they also have that drive to please. They're, they're very task oriented. It's like, you know, what are we doing now? It's like he just never really relaxes. He's always on edge. He's always waiting on that next command, you know, whatever, whatever it is, wherever it is. And so, you know, those two things that were going for him, those that also that have those working dogs also know they have a lot of stubbornness and they're very headstrong. And so, you know, that's that worked against him and it was kind of tough to work out at times. Really, all I had to do was take that drive to retrieve and just tweak it a little bit along the way to, you know, replace a, a some some other kind of object, a, a throwing bumper or whatever with re- replace that with a tennis ball or replace the tennis ball with a stick or replace the tennis ball with eventually a duck or a dove or a squirrel or whatever it is that I, you know, that I want him to get. And, you know, the more you expose it, to, expose him to things and the more you kind of teach him to do different little things along the way, you can kind of mold and shape it as you go to do, you know, to actually be a legitimate retriever at some point, you know. Well, 
you lead me to more and more questions here. The the first time you tried him on a duck, was it alive or dead? I mean, was it was it fresh shot or was it maybe one y'all had you had kind of held just to use for <clears throat> to see if he would do it? And well, how did so he what act? I, what I started off first, first was with force fetch, and I'm sure most people that handle retrievers retrievers are are familiar with the force fetch process. But basically, it turns retrieving going to pick something up and bring it back. It's not something fun that we do in the yard on a Sunday afternoon anymore. It's a command, just like sit, just like stay, just like place or any other command that you have for the dogs. And so, you know, he already had a lot of basic obedience training. He knew what to do. And and biggest thing, he knew how to learn. He knew how to learn from me. And so what we started off with first was force fetch because, you know, and, and that's fetching anything from a section of water hose to a garden rake, anything else I put out there. And so what that turned into was the more and more solid we got with that, it didn't matter what you put out there. If I told him to fetch it up, that's what he was going to do. And so eventually that turned into ducks or doves or, you know, whatever I had in the freezer that I'd shot or left over or whatever. Uh, I think the very first one, let me think, I started actually putting uh, wings on a bumper first. So he could kind of get the smell and the feel of those those feathers. And then I think I went to um, maybe a freshly thawed duck of some kind. I can't remember exactly what it was. But that was kind of how the progression was, is I wanted to solidify the command. And then that way, it didn't really matter what it was he was picking up. Well, I know when when I first started with Sonny, and, and to kind of backtrack there, y'all, to, for anybody listening that doesn't understand the lingo here, the uh, to force fetch, you're going to take, I do, I take five to ten bumpers, and I'm going to put them out there about 30, 40 yards, 20 yards, and then I'm going to start backing them up. And I'm going to make sure that that dog comes to heel and gets on target, you know, she's going to locate the pile, and then you're sending that dog out without throwing anything. They're out there in a pile. They're going to go out there, pick up one, come back, and then I send them again and again and again. And a lot of times, the further you get to pushing a dog, the more they want to fight back. Like, hey, we're, there's nothing out here, but you want them to be able to, for you to be able to say back and be able to send them wherever you want. But like with Sonny, and and for the record, anybody listening to this, I am not a professional trainer, Anthony. As far as I know, you're not a professional trainer. Far from it. <laughs> yeah, we're just kind of giving y'all what we've done in the past. It works. Both of our dogs retrieve ducks. It, it, it has worked for us. Maybe some of this will work for you. But I know when Sonny was a little bitty puppy, she probably wasn't you know, nine weeks old. I had taken a couple of wings off some ducks that we had killed and just let her chew on them. And some people said, oh, you're going to make her, you know, she's not going to have a soft mouth. Yes. It, you know, one of the guys that I talked to that does train dogs for a living said, man, it'll, it'll get that scent in their nose. They get used to the feel of the feathers. It makes them birdie, is what he called. So then we started tying it on a fishing pole, tying it wing on a pole, and I would throw it out in the yard, and she'd take off after. She'd pick it up, and she'd tussle with it a minute, and then I'd pull it away from her and throw it again. I didn't have to get up and go retrieve it every time in case she decided to, you know, walk off and leave it sitting there, which did happen more than once. I could actually just reel it in and get her attention, and we'd go at it again, but there's all kind of different ways to work on, but but keep going now. Well, and and a lot of it was, you know, finding out what he responded to. You know, I can have a black lab and you can have a black lab, and they just have different personalities and they respond differently to the training. You know, mine may only respond if I just absolutely am hard on him and I make him do stuff and I just bear down on him to try to, finally make him you know understand what i'm trying to get him to do yours may be the complete opposite yours might shut down every time you bear down on them and you have to go really easy you have to do a lot more positive reinforcement and so a lot of it was just kind of feeling him out and and you know he was training me almost as much as i was training him because you know you you, you figure out what works and you kind of build on that and then you look back and you go well that didn't work worth a crap when you try something else <laughs> and you know it's just kind of that that evolution of how you you're, you're constantly working to where you where you want to be but you're not necessarily taking an orthodox route i mean 
I didn't from the very beginning because I'm trained a cattle dog. But uh, and <laughs> going back to the soft mouth thing, that was another thing that we really had to work on because blue healers are known for a lot of things, but having a soft mouth is not one of them. <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> wondering if he honest. chewed up most of them to begin with. Do what now? I was wondering if he chewed up, how many he chewed up to begin with. Did he? Well, and like I said, I, that was another thing that I tried to get out in front of. And I really, you know, everything that we picked up, and I started out with force fetch, like from the very fundamentals. You were talking about, you know, uh, forcing them to a, to a pile, and that's on down the road. I, I started at the very beginning on a table, and I would put my hand with a glove in his mouth and just let him sit there and hold it. And then I'd take some other object, and I'd put it in his mouth, tell him to hold, let him get used to that. And the more he did that, the more it wasn't a, a biting and, and, you know, jarring and, and shaking things around his mouth. It was just taking it and being comfortable with an object being in his mouth on command. And then we started out actually on that table and worked further and further, you know, down toward the, the table. Then I'd put it on the table, fetch it up. He'd pick it up off the table. Okay. And then we went from there to the ground and just built all the way out to now he can run you know, 200 yard blinds. So he will blind retrieve also? Absolutely. That is awesome. Look, all I can tell you, look, if nothing else comes out of this podcast, sometime this year, you and I are going to have to hunt together so that I can hunt with the blue dog. That, Man, that I'd is, love to. That is, here's another question. Now, moving forward, uh, I'm, I'm skipping around here on this, but when you pull up at the boat launch or at a duck hole with, somebody that you don't know <laughs> what are their comments or looks or impressions of like what in the flying has he got with him oh <laughs> yeah um it's I, been I can, a mixture of things one of the funniest ones that i had um i was at academy sports one time and you know they're, they're pet friendly home depot's the same way and I, I try to when he was a puppy especially i tried to take him out and socialize him and then have him go through those those commands, you know, basic commands on on cue in a crowd in different environments, that kind of thing. And um, and the lady at the, behind the counter, she goes, uh, "What kind of dog is that?" I said, "It's a it's a blue healer. It's an Australian catalog." And she said, "Huh, I never had no name brand dog before." <laughs> <laughs> name brand dog. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> so it's uh, I've never hunted with a name brand dog, but uh, but the at the boat launch and that kind of thing, I actually try to keep him in the crate because he's he doesn't play nice with other dogs. That's the one thing that I really hadn't been able to to get him over. It, most of the time it's okay, but just running up to a brand new dog, generally I don't trust him, and uh, he's, well, he's kind of scrappy. That but, can be any dog. Um, I, I let yeah, mine I'm, out I've of definitely that. gotten some looks of, of people trying to figure out what I was doing with a, a, a very dark colored, almost to the point where they don't recognize the breed. You know, up there with twenty years and <laughs> ready to go get a duck. Well, you know, in the duck hunting community, yellow black lab—that's the only two real labs. You know, if you follow right, any right. of these forums, you know, I've been duck hunting for a long time, and I get so tickled. You know, nobody—I've talked to trainers over the years, and most trainers don't want to even fool with a chocolate, and a silver mm-hmm. is just a whole different. And to me, a dog's a dog now. I have a yellow lab. It's what my wife and my kids picked out, and it's what I work with because it's what I had, like you say. But the it's always been funny to to kind of follow along on some of those threads and see the comments behind it because you know it's like everything else. If you're not shooting the right shotgun, or you're not shooting the right shell, or right choke, or you're not using the proper sling, you know, you're not a real duck hunter. Look, folks, right? We've said it on here a million times. If you're hunting and you're out enjoying the good outdoors and it's legal, I don't care what you use. Whether you're shooting a 410 or a 12 gauge or a 28 gauge, whether it's got a wood stock, synthetic, I don't care what choke you use. I don't care what shells you use. If you're out enjoying it and you're doing what you love, go do it. But it is yeah. always fun to listen to people like, oh, if you don't have a yellow lab, you're not a real duck hunter. Oh, heck you say. Look, if it'll go pick up a duck and saves me some steps, I'm a happy man. Especially if it's deep water and I don't have to get in a boat and paddle my little happy rear end out there. If I can just send the dog, that would be wonderful. 
That's what we're looking yeah. for. And if the dog behaves, now get a dog out there that doesn't behave, that won't stay on the stand or wants to whine or won't do what it's supposed to. That's a whole different ball game. Uh, it can it can be the most rewarding or the most frustrating thing that you'll ever do in the outdoors. Period. Oh, no doubt. I have told people between, right after watching my kids be successful in outdoors is watching my dog work. Yep. Or watching somebody else's dog, a good dog work. Now, like I say, a, a dog that doesn't do right, I, I don't, you might as well go ahead and take him home. I don't, or her home. I don't really want to. Well, when mine's on her game and she's doing her thing, I mean, it's just like watching the kids play sports. I mean, they're doing what they love. They've yep. taken what you've helped train them to do or, or teach them to do, and they're utilizing it to the best of their ability. And that's just, you know, it's, you say a dog, you know, everybody talks about dogs and animals, and but it's still a proud daddy moment. I don't care oh, how yeah. you want to look at it. Uh, to me, that's exactly what it is. It's a, man, look what. Look what my dog did today. You know, she picked yep. up she picked up thirty eight ducks, you know, or whatever the count is. If it was two, I'm still happy to watch her. And if you go through and look on my phone, there's probably as many pictures of my dog picking up something as it is of anything else on there. Oh yeah, I hear from my wife all the time. She says, "You got more pictures of dead animals on your phone than you do of me." <laughs> I like, well, that's, that's probably true. Yeah, that's uh. <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yep. But yeah, it's, uh, and it's even more rewarding, you know, having a dog that you've trained that never should have even, I say shouldn't have, but you know, it's, it's typically not one, uh, even on the list for dogs that have been trained or retreated. It's actually funny. I've, I've seen probably more and more unorthodox dogs that have been trained to do other things just because I have mine and people know that I've got one. I've seen dachshunds. There's one on Instagram. I think it's a Jack Russell, and I don't remember the dog's name, but they've got that Jack Russell Terrier fetching sandhill cranes. I think it's out in Texas. Can it even pack that. it? A sandhill crane's a huge bird. That little Jack Russell ain't yeah. a very big dog. Oh, is it dragging it or is it toting it? He's he's dragging it on both ends, and he's got it in the middle, carrying it back. Okay. Look, yep. you can't keep a good man down or, or good it lady is down. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, I'm waiting till we post this picture just to hear the people like do what? Uh, that was why when you sent me that picture, I'm like, I've got to record this. This is going to be an awesome <laughs> story. You know, so, all right. So you say Bentley's three or Blue Dog's three years old. Yep. When did y'all go on your first duck hunt with him? Um, I remember the third very well because that was our first really good hunt. Uh, and that was a teal hunt. It was actually out on, uh, Mahana WMA. And it was, uh, me and a buddy of mine. And I remember it so well. The, the first two were teal hunts because that was kind of the, you know, the kind of the, the inaugural, um, hunts that you go on, you know, kind of the tune up hunts that everybody brings their retrievers out for. Mm-hmm. And, um, there was a, there were a few before that we killed one or two and, it was one of those growing pain type hunts, you know, but then, uh, the one at Mahana was the third one of the year and man, he just turned on. It was, it was, um, really open out in, out in the water, you know, real shallow impoundment, probably knee deep at the very deepest. So he could get across it and it was to where the, had big wads of teal coming by. When you shot him, it was very obvious they were hitting the ground, you know, hitting the water and he could see all that. And man, when he actually sees the duck hit the water, he is, uh, he, he can't get out there fast enough. And he's just looking for, looking at me, waiting for me to give him the command. And he'll knock his, his stand off trying to, you know, push off and get out there. He just can't do it fast enough. Um, and man, he, he retrieved a two man limit that morning. And the very last bird we shot and it was one of those sea feathers come off and it's like, that duck's dead. He just doesn't know it yet. And he's just, Boom, and finally hits the ground. And it's when he finally hits the water, it's probably at least 100 yards. I, I'd, I'd give it probably closer to 150, but it's a solid 100. And uh, last duck of the day, you know, we're fixing to, we, we limited out, got 12 teal. We're fixing to pack them up, ready to go. And my buddy gets up, and he's like, I'll get that one, man. Don't worry about it. And I said, let me just try it. And I lined him up and sent him. 
and I, I kid you not, I sent him out there, and I blew a whistle and stopped him. I casted him one time, and he took about five bounds in that direction, spotted the duck, went and grabbed it, and brought it back to me. That's awesome. And it was just the best feeling that you could. And like you said, it's like your little kid hit the home run. It's just like, it was just like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and that was, that was kind of a, I don't know, I guess kind of a jumping off point of knowing that, yeah, this is something that he can do. I, I did train him right. He is good at it. Whether he chooses to do it or not, it's a different story, but at least I know that he can, you know. How does he like cold water? Um, Does a cold bother about, him at all? About as much as you and I like cold water. <laughs> he, um, I, I try to be pretty careful about how cold I get because, I mean, at his very heaviest, he's 38, 39 pounds. And so, he's, which is really good for picking him up and putting him on a kayak or putting in a little John boat or something like that because you're not trying to heave a 120-pound lab in. But at the same time, I mean, regardless of the coat, people say, well, he doesn't have the right coat. They have a, a fairly thick coat. He just doesn't have the dang body mass to keep warm in really cold water. You can put a vest on him all you want to. Cold is cold. And so um, once it gets, I mean, I think the coldest I've ever hunted him was probably around 35 degrees. Um, I really don't try to, I try not to get him, you know, he's not going to be out there breaking ice or anything. Um, and really he gets, he gets kind of fussy. He, he didn't, <laughs> he gets to where he didn't want to go out there and he didn't want to jump in the water and it's, it's not fun for either one of us. And so I know a lot of know, people that way. A lot of what now? A lot of people that way. That, what, get uh, fussy? Yeah. When it gets cold. Yeah. Start yeah. looking at me like I've lost my mind and it's like, dude, it's not even cold yet. Um, yeah. I've hunted with some of those too, but, uh, I try to be careful about it. But like I said, general rule of thumb, if it's 40 or above, you know, which, it's been a lot of days like that. Yeah, I, don't, I don't hesitate to bring them out. Yeah, that's about 95% of our duck season. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Is that warmer, warmer? Hoping it's below 80 for Christmas. <laughs> I think the coldest Sunday and I have hit it, it was 18 up in Arkansas, and we broke mm -hmm. ice going in that morning. I actually have a video of her running on the ice to go get a duck, and it was one of those that I – she actually broke on me. I was hunting with a buddy and his dog had taken off and she took off after it. And it was one of those where when I shot and it was after old Hollywood, it wasn't even, you know, old poor man Mallard. And when it hit, it thudded on the ice and they broke and took off and they were breaking ice for like the first 20 yards. And then the ice got thick enough that she actually got on it and started running. And I, I set my gun down and start getting stuff off. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going out there to get my dog if she falls through. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I know it's no more than belly deep out there, but if she falls through and gets stuck under there, I'm going to get my dog. Well, I started wading out into what they'd already broke. And you can, I'm filming her as I'm kind of easing out towards her. And I can hear little toenails, tink, 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 tink. Well, she picked it up, turned around, here she come back, jumped off in the broken part and swam right past me. And I'm like, you go ahead, girl. Yeah, that was my that was my grand slam moment, and I had it on film, and I'm like, oh, that's stellar. Go ahead, girlfriend. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, the buddy's you, dog uh, had actually turned around and came back. Did dog get, get cut up or anything on the ice? I've never run one in, in, that thick, in, in ice at all. No, the vest I have for is that uh, it's got a pretty thick, heavy pad <laughs> on the front. Right. And it wasn't, like I say, the, the what they broke through right there was kind of – it was thick enough that they were actually breaking it. I, I think the thinner ice is normally what they cut more on. But but same thing, you know, we don't run into a whole lot of ice around here. And if I'm in South Louisiana down in the rice fields down there, or crawfish ponds, we definitely don't have any ice down that direction. So uh, it's just a – I've never really tried her in too terribly much of it. I don't really want to. Uh, I know guys that do, but – you know, to, to each his own, it just kind of depends on where you, where you at with the dog and, and what you, what you got going on. But I, you know, I know guys that run them in, in cold stuff all the time and they don't have any trouble. You know, it, it just, mm -hmm. I guess it depends on, you know, the vest or the thickness of hair on the dog. And if, if it's more used to cold weather, they probably have a thicker coat of hair on than, than normal. And, you know, one of the things I do, it's an old wives tale. I don't know if it actually helps or not, but it's, it's just one of the things I was always told to do. 
come come winter time or right before we start duck hunting a lot, we cook bacon at the house a good bit of time, and I'll take grease and pour on her dog food just to kind of help her shed water and, and build up a little bit. Uh, don't know if that really actually works. Since I was a little kid, was always told to do it, so it's one of the things we do. And well, it, it makes sense. I'm, I actually, um, I think year before last is the first time I started doing this, but, um, you know, about October, actually about this time, October, November, I would start feeding him puppy food which is really high in, in you know, carbohydrates and, and calories and trying to get that weight up a little bit and, and get a little bit of layer of fat on him. You know, if he's a little bit thicker, that's fine. That's going to serve him well going into the season. And I also actually supplemented uh, him with some fish oil, which is basically the same thing you're talking about. So I would think that there's at least something to it. Um, well, and I've tried the fish oil pills, and I've got a little vitamin that we do sometimes. uh and like I say, usually right before season and during season, I'll keep that up if I know I'm going to run her pretty hard. And, you know, some seasons I get a chance where I get to take her way more than others. That's the biggest problem is, you know, the more dogs work, the more it's just, it's going to do better. You know, it's like having oh, yeah. to practice for football. You know, the more, more you practice, you should get, hopefully you will get better. If you're, if you're an athlete, you should. Well, folks, Jeremy Shaw has just made yeah. it into the to the studio here. So glad I could join in. Anthony, how are you, man? Doing well, man. Fas- fashionably late, but hey, I'm here. Well, Better we, late than never. we right. told it at the first that you had gotten kind of hung up and uh, pretty sure that the dirt track, <laughs> there was a little man Seems to be on. a common theme with these last few episodes. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but what we've been at, uh, we were going over Anthony's, the blue dog. Yeah. We have been on the Blue Heater I saw dog. pictures. Well, you have missed a really awesome story so far. So we, I'll pick it up. Yeah. We, we're going to have to catch you back up. We're not going to run back through it real fast. That's fine. That's fine. I'll listen back through it on the editing process, and I'll get it all soaked in. Well, Anthony, for kind of moving forward there, for this teal season, did you get a chance to let him run? I did. Uh, we actually went on two good hunts this year. Um, opening morning, we killed a limit, actually a two-man limit, and then – uh, killed nine among three of us on that next, let's see, it opened on Saturday. It was on that next Monday. And, um, he probably, he, he frustrated me and thrilled me like back to back the, the two most extremes of the whole hunt, like in, in five minutes time. That's the joy <laughs> of having a dog, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah. That's what we were talking about before. We got to been over that one. A frustrating thing you could ever do. But, um, so what had happened was we, me and a buddy, um, it's actually my wife's cousin. We, we, a couple of teal came over. Boom, boom. We both shot, and I watched feathers come off that teal both times. And he's huh. just steady trucking. Like crap. So he he goes. It's like one of those just long, finally losing altitude. Boom, finally hits the water, and it's it's a solid 150 to 200 yards. Yeah. And I had actually stopped watching the bird, so I was trying to rely on my my wife's uncle to tell me to tell where the dog was, I mean, like to tell the dog where the bird was. And so I send him out and, you know, he's, he's going, 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 going. And of course I'm whistling, I'm, I'm handling back and forth. And in the middle of all that, a couple more teal come over and they both shoot them and he sees them hit the water. Well, he's wanting to go get those birds instead of the one I sent him after because he actually saw them. He hadn't seen the other one. And I mean, it's like wrestling a freaking bear to try to get him on to, to stay on this other one because he sees these other two and finally he just cuts and runs back to me and i've got uh, uh an electronic collar and i'm popping him and i'm popping i'm popping him he's just he's just gritting through it he's determined to get back to me so i'm cussing him all the way back he's <laughs> pissed me off and then i send him after the other two he goes and gets them all right so i get i get done hollering starting to get cooled down a little bit a couple more teal come over one falls about 50 yards one falls about 75 to 80. The one at 50 is dead or Nellis. Hadn't moved since he hit the water. The next one is pretty lively and he's trying to get off and he's not too terrible far from a weed line right there in the water. If he, if he gets to that, you know, he's mm-hmm. lost cause. Yeah. So, so I send him and I mean, they're right in the line of each other. So I know he's going to try to pick up the first one first. So sure enough, he gets out about 50 yards and picks him up. And what I, what I've taught Bentley that probably a lot of pet owners don't when they're puppies I would highly recommend that you teach them some kind of command to drop whatever's in their mouth 
because they're like toddlers. They're just going to pick up everything off the floor. That's just, that's how they kind of interact with their environment so that, you know, while they're a puppy, they just pick up everything and chew on it and swallow it. And so, um, I, I taught him out when he was a puppy and whatever that, that when I say out, whatever's in your mouth better come out right then. And so he picked that bird up and I stopped him on a whistle, told him out, he dropped it, casted him back. He went back and about 10 yards from that teal, they saw each other and that teal gets up off the water and he catches it about two feet, two feet or so off of the water and brings it back <laughs> to me. And then I send him out to go get the other one. He comes back. <laughs> he gets back on his place, and I'm like, I'll be dang. All right, that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> that proud daddy moment comes out then. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. I'm like, all right, you're forgiven. Let's move on. Well, did you ever send him on the long one that he refused to go on? I did, but I had to come out there with him a little ways. Okay. Um, Since you didn't know, see it fall, you didn't know right where to send him to. Now, what? Right. Well, yeah, that was part of the problem is I didn't know exactly where the bird was. And so it was obviously tougher for me to to tell him where it was if I didn't know. So that one was kind of a tough one. But, yeah, I, I ended up walking about halfway over there to him, and then I was able to actually see it myself and then got him over to it after that. I got you. Well, another question I had, what kind of nose does he have on him? Like if something well, falls in thick grass and you know it's in a general area, will he hunt it up? Because that's, that's one of the commands that I taught Sonny was hunt it up, and she'll start circling from the spot where I tell her to hunt it up. And yeah. most of the time, if I leave her alone and just let her use that nose, she's going to come out with it. Yeah, and we, we kind of have a variation of the same thing. Uh, whenever, if, if I'm handling him and he's running a blind, I'll do the three-whistle blast, and that means you're close enough where you ought to be finding it, and he'll kind of, you know, run around until he finds it, kind of circle. And it's kind of funny because, you know, being a cattle dog, he zigzags to try to intersect a, a trail or a scent or something like that. Even when he's trailing deer, he'll zigzag and, and kind of touch it going back and forth rather than like a hound or something like that that would just put their nose and, and go straight. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see those differences. But um, if, if I know he's close enough, I'll either say fetch it up or I'll give him those three whistles and he knows that he's close enough where he ought to be able to find it. Um, in, in duck season, he hadn't had just a whole lot of real tough ones to find. Um, not not ones that were realistic for him to find and then uh but this past dove season i had him out and the way the field was set up you know if you shoot them coming one direction across this little um hedgerow they fall in bare dirt no problem go get them if you shoot them going the other direction they fall in about hip high or so grass and i mean it was it was a, a fallow field that had just kind of gone and, and grown up and i sent him in there i think three or four times for other people and I think three of the four times he came out with birds. And, you know, that was, that was one of those where, you know, there's no way you could have seen it. He, he had to sniff it out and, and find it. So I'd say it's decent. You know, I've, I hadn't worked with a whole bunch of different dogs. And so I can't really compare it to another, but I can say that he at least knows to use it to find what I told him to. Well, if you got him where he'll blood trail also, you know, he uses his nose. So. Oh, yeah. I yeah. was telling. I was telling Jacob a story um, just the other day when we talked about doing this podcast with you. My cousin, he had um, he had a blue healer, and, and he was a full-grown dog, and I don't know exactly when he started him, but he had called me right before um, bow season. It was probably been, heck, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years ago, and said, hey, if you shoot a deer, whether you see it go down or not, call me. I want to bring my dog. Mm. I said, okay, and I didn't have a clue what, what he had, so I, I shot a doe, and and I called him. I said, Hey man, I, I heard her fall. I didn't see exactly where she run up in thick stuff, but I heard her fall. Um, you can bring your dog over here if you want to. So he shows up and, uh, and I, the cab of the truck with him hopped out a blue healer. I'm like, Justin, what are you doing with this dog? He said, man, that's my blood dog. I said, okay, well, have at it. So I showed him where I, where I shot, where she was standing and told him the general direction and, and, uh, they took off. And sure enough, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a few minutes later. He was over there at the deer and I think I did that a couple more times on some, uh, on some deer that I shot and he brought him over there and, and I think one of them actually needed him for and he, he found him. And then I think since then that dog had passed, but I think he's got that dog's son and daughter now. And that's all he uses. He's part of one of the blood trailing groups that's, uh, pretty local to us. And man, I think 
think it was last year, year before last, that those blue healers of his had found more deer than any other dogs that was in that group. And uh, and he just he swears by a blue healer. Yeah, I believe it, man. That and that's the thing that I, I kind of keep going back to is once they find out what their job is and what makes you say good boy or good girl, man, they're all about it. And it doesn't matter what it is. You know, I kind of joke. I say, you know, he's so smart. I can teach him how to drive his, how to drive my truck if his legs were long enough. <laughs> because I mean, they just they 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 have that desire to just learn and to to accomplish tasks because that's that's kind of how they were bred. And um, I mean, I he this one uh, we got a nine month old. Me and Jake were talking about that a little, a little while ago, and we've got him trained. I'll I'll pull a, a diaper off my little boy. And, you know, of course, fold it up and everything and, and throw it to him. And he'll go throw it away in our kitchen garbage can. <laughs> or I'll, we'll, uh, I can give him a bottle or a syringe or, or whatever it is. And I'll get it to him and I'll say, go give it to mama. And he'll go find her and give it to her. We pass stuff through the house with him. And um, we've got him to where I'll put dirty clothes in the hamper and, and just whatever. He, he is constant. He, he's not happy unless he's learning something, unless that mind's working. It's and been a while since got, I've, I've. When you got that, all you got to do is is teach them what you want them to do and channel it, and you got it. It's been several years since I've had to fool with a dirty doctor, but I can imagine there's a few of them he probably don't have nothing to do with. <laughs> <laughs> well, so far so good. I can imagine what mine would do at one. It would be stuff scattered everywhere. She would go to shaking, and it would be yeah, it'd be stuff. Bad situation. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying stuff. Yeah. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. It'd be stuff flying all over the place. Yeah. Uh-huh. Might hit the fan, huh? Yeah. Uh, fan, the wall, the floor, the chair. <laughs> Everything the but the garbage. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't yeah. make it to the garbage can, I can assure you. Well, you know, years ago, I used to room when we were working all the time, me and a buddy room together, and he had his blue, uh, his lab trained. He had drilled a hole in the ice chest and put a rope on it, and he, we'd be sitting there in the hotel room after we got off work, and he'd tell that dog, you know, go get me a cold one. Mm-hmm. And that dog would go take, and he would it would grab the the rope, raise the lid on it, and dig its head down in that ice water and come out with a it didn't hmm. like bottles, but it would get a can and bring it back to him. Huh. And it was like, hmm. you know, if you could teach a dog to shut the ice chest lid, that'd even be better. But I mean jump on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean take his head yeah. and flip it over. I mean, we studied on it, but usually we'd got a couple of them cold ones in and we didn't we never made it to If y'all covered this, I edited it out. But how well does he do in the cold? Um, well, I was telling Jacob earlier, he, he kind of, he doesn't like it a whole lot. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a smaller dog. His, his mom was a lot smaller than his daddy and he kind of takes after her. She, he's got a kind of a small frame and he's just not real bulky and, and round like most healers are. And so, I mean, at his heaviest, I think he was scaring 40 pounds. And oh, so, yeah. you know, he, he just doesn't have the mass to mm-hmm. keep that. That we, warmth, like we've a, got a little like buddy a that hunt, does. we've got a little buddy that hunts with us like that, and he ain't real that big on the yeah, cold either. He yeah. he, don't he, he may cold. be running 140 pounds, <laughs> soaking wet with yeah, lead in his yeah, pockets. Yeah. He, he ain't. That I guess one. same situation. Yeah, deep, deep <laughs> water <laughs> or cold water. That mass, baby. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but look, now, have you ever thought by doing this that you're going to become a trendsetter? Do you see um, this being something that takes off in the duck hunt community? Jeremy, you and I have been in the duck hunt community a long time. Yeah. You know, I asked him earlier and we, we talked about it, but I want to hit it again. I can just see when he pulls up at Mahana <laughs> on a morning when it's 30 <laughs> groups there ready to do a draw. And that blue healer comes out and perches up there beside him. His people looking. I can just see the looks like, what in the flying heck has this guy got? You know? I mean, it, it, nonetheless, it's a conversation starter, you know. It's, it's you like, think? You, you know, it's somebody that, you know, if you take them hunting and they bring out a, a oblong, you know, gun or if it's a single shot 410, you're like, what are you doing with that? I guess it'd be the same thing. What are you doing with that? Like, I got something I bet you've never seen before. Throw it at us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you! No, I'm you, saying, I'm oh, saying yeah. the blue healer. Oh, you definitely got something I've never seen in the duck community. That's why I wanted to do this podcast so bad. I was like, man, we've got to talk to him about this dog. And, and it has stirred up several conversations I've seen on social media too, hadn't it? Uh, so I used to be a member of Duck South, the, uh, right. the Facebook group or whatever. 
And um, and I've got several friends on Facebook for no other reason than they, they thought my dog was cool. Retriever. <laughs> I've seen so, I've seen him. It may have been Duck South or the WMA page or something like that. But uh, but I've I've seen pictures of him before, and I was like uh, I was like. This has got to be, you know, one of those trolling type posts. Well, Ain't nobody a using. Uh, We've talked about it already on here, but when he first sent me that picture, I said, "Oh, this is, a, you know, it's a joke. It's right. a prank." Yeah, you know, cool picture, very beautiful dog. You know, yeah, I'm sure it picks up ducks. And then when I mess with anybody, he's like, "Oh yeah, that's a duck fetching machine." <laughs> like, oh yeah, I've got to come up there and make a hunt this year. Uh, we're going to have to go somewhere just- and make a hunt. I just tell everybody he's a silver lab, not get any more questions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they've turned their nose Pure up at bread. you and walked off right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pure bread. Well, and the bad thing is, is Jeremy and I both have friends that have silver labs that are really wonderful dogs. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, uh, but they get about as much love as my blue healer does being a retreat. Yeah, that's about right. Uh you know, the one, I mean, whether whether they're deer dogs, whether yeah, they're I duck say dogs, we've got one I mean, front buddy that his is a blood trailing machine, uh-huh. uh, and there's just no way around it. I mean, you can put him up with whatever you want to, and the, the dog just goes. Yep. And it's about the dog. You know, you get all these breed specific people, just like people that, you know, if you're not shooting a brown and you're not shooting right or a Benelli <laughs> right. or a Winchester or whatever, I don't care. Like we said earlier, if you enjoy doing it and it's illegal, run at it. Yep, that needs a. I need to get a T-shirt made like that. <laughs> yeah. If it's there's no telling. It. There's no telling how many deer have been killed with a guy wearing a flannel shirt smoking a cigarette. <laughs> oh, I, it's, I, I, it's I, not about all these. I yep. can tell you of some that are mounted at my mama's house that uh, <laughs> the man was smoking a cigarette while he was sitting on a stump, and I assure you there was not even a camouflage hat on. <laughs> yep, especially when they used Probably to run a dogs. Probably bucket involved. No, he was sitting on a stump, but I remember when he shot it, because I was sitting right there beside him, and, you know, as a little kid, you were like, yeah, that's awesome. And then looking back, it's like, I can't believe he actually killed that deer. How did we even, I mean, man, man's on a marble red sucking it down like Charlie Brown. It's smoke going everywhere. We're not being quiet, and the deer walked out 50 yards, and he shot it. It's like, okay, there can't be much to this. <laughs> yeah. And then let me put a bow in my hand, and it seems like it's sometimes the most difficult task in the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. had a we had a good conversation with the guy from uh, Mississippi Bow Hunter Association the other day, and it was, you know, it's always fun to talk to bow hunters, and you know, it's, most bow hunters are just different animals. You know, it takes a a little different skill set, it takes a little different, you know, strategy to actually shoot one to me. That's one reason I enjoy it so much. But you know, folks that are absolute diehard that that's what they hunt with all year long, they are. They are adamant about what they do. And, and, you know, he was telling us that, you know, he's the same way as we are. If it's legal, run at it. But, you know, he's picked his poison, you know, his his way of doing things, and that's just how he does it. So I guess we can all do that in everything in life. Oh, yeah. Well, have you got us a good hunting story before we get off of here? We've got a few minutes left. Have you got any good hunting stories other than blue dog retrieves? Uh, let me think. Do we want to do, do deer hunting stories or duck hunting stories? Or it don't it matter? matter. It don't matter. It's an outdoor country talk. We'll talk about squirrel hunting if you want to. It doesn't matter. Okay. I got Probably. a guy coming on next yeah, week about airboats. So this was many years ago. This was before Blue Dog, and this was before um, uh, a lot of experience and, and um and that kind of thing, practice that I've had now. But um, we were hunting near Vaden, Mississippi, me and my dad. We were hunting on this, this guy we, we knew up there. His name was Charlie. And <clears throat> we were on Charlie's place, and I had shot this deer, biggest deer of my life, big eight-point. And um, and he had, I had shot the deer, and the deer had, had kind of crippled and, and, and made his way into the edge of the woods, but hadn't hadn't fully deceased quite yet, and um, so I called my dad. I'm like, "Hey, you know, I got this deer down. He he made his way off in the woods. I don't know anything else. I'll see you at dark." So dad hunts till dark. We meet up, and and this is also before the the 
the big LED stream lights and, and all your really high output type flashlights too that really light things up. We had some kind of little Walmart special probably. Maglite's um, the best thing on the market at that time. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was that was it. So well we didn't have that though. We weren't that fancy. <laughs> and so uh anyway, so we go trotting along through here and we're trying to find this deer and we finally get up on it and the deer's head is still up. He's still looking around. It's like, oh crap, you know, I didn't kill him. And so my dad, I, I hold the light for my dad. He's got his 30 out six there. And I'm like, all right, here he is. And we're, we're probably you know, 45, 40, 50 yards from the deer. Try not to spook him. Boom! He shoots. Deer hadn't moved. Like, he hadn't moved. Shoot him again. Boom! He shoots again. Deer still hadn't moved. I'm like, what is it? Heck, he's still there. Shoot him again. Boom! He shoots again. And finally, the, the last shot, the deer gets up and runs about 50 more yards and falls again. I'm like, my gosh, what is the deal? So about this time, Charlie, the guy that has the, the camp or hunt on his place, he, he gets up there with a pistol. We ease up to the deer close enough. He finally shoots it with a pistol and kills it. So we're like, what is the deal, man? So we, I go up and I, I this is, this is my moment, right? I'm going to lift this deer's antlers up. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is such a big deer. And I lift the deer's antlers up and he's got three separate bullet holes in the rack of this eight point. Wow. Biggest deer I've ever killed. <laughs> he's got, <laughs> and he's dad knocked, has... he's knocked the G2 clean off. <laughs> oh. He's hit the main beam on one and knocked the brow tine off the other side. I'm wow. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Shot three times and hit antler every single time. Where was do it again my, if he tried? My, my trophy. Where what? was dad shooting at? Where was he aiming at? I don't. Deer. I, I, there were, <laughs> you know, the, yeah, the, you know, he's looking through a scope at, at 40 yards or something and it's dark and, you know, the sun's in his eyes. The wind was blowing too much. Scope fucked up. You know, all the stuff. But <laughs> anyway. Okay. You do it, it once. Was, uh, I believe that you do it three times. I'm almost thinking that you've done something made him mad before. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe a little jealousy there. I don't know. <laughs> uh, usually if we have one down, if he's got his head up, I'm going to try it at the base of the neck as far down the neck as I can to stay, you know, out of good meat and, and stay off of horns. Um, mm-hmm. you know, just, just do my, what I can to, to stay away from it. And that next shot usually does a trick pretty good too. So yeah, if you hit it, if you hit it, look, there's been times where I've missed the entire deer. So I mean, shooting at the neck sometimes is a tricky deal. I've got a similar story. I don't, I can't remember if I've ever told it on the podcast or not. I think I may have. If I did, it was way back when we when we first started. So my wife, she wanted to kill a buck, and I had an opportunity to hunt some land right outside of Eagle Lake, and um. Got invited up there and they invited me and I told him, I said, look, I'd like to bring my wife. She'd never, she'd never shot a buck before. And I said, I'll hunt with her. I'm not going to kill anything, but I'll, I'd just like to take her. They said, yeah, that's fine. So she was pregnant with my youngest son and, uh, she's probably, I don't know, about three or four months pregnant. So I said, put us in an easy spot, you know, a nice, nice blind or box stand and, uh, something easy for her to get in and out of. And they said, oh, ain't no problem. So they dropped us off and, it was, uh, we was planning on hunt maybe two days and I was wanting to go duck hunting. So I was hoping she was going to get it done pretty quick. So I could go on up to the camp and duck hunt. So we sit, we get there for the first evening and, uh, we wasn't there, I guess 30 minutes and, and a buck, well, eight, eight point walks out and she's wanting to shoot and wanting to shoot. I'm like, no, I said, we're going to wait for one a little bit bigger than this one. I mean, he was, you know, two year old deer and he, uh, so I said, no, we're going to pass on him. She, she sits there and watches him a few does walks out and walking down a, kind of a fuller trail we could see right down about 300 yards I seen a buck walking down through there so i got the and i forgot my binoculars in the truck so i pulled the scope up i'm looking at him i said if you want to shoot him go ahead he's a decent deer i said especially for your first buck i said you know he he wasn't a, a full-blown trophy but he was a, he was a good deer so uh so she's sitting there looking at him and she's like yeah i'd like to shoot him i said well he's coming to these other deer 100 yards and I said, uh, I said, just wait till he comes on down here. And when he gets a good broadside, you know, shot, you know, take him. So he keeps on walking, keeps on walking. He gets out there in the food plot, 100 yards or so, standing broadside. She puts it in the window, slides the safety up, shoots him. He falls over right there. And I said, good shot, good shot. She's like, well, let's go look at him. I said, no, they're going to come get us at dark. 
and I said, just let him lay and, and we'll just hang out here in the stand until, uh, until they get here and, and, uh, we'll just hang out. So we're sitting there talking. I just happened to look out there and he's standing up. I said, goodness. I said, give me that gun. So I look, I, I'm looking at him and she shot him with a 308 Hornady ballistic tips. And I'm sitting there looking at him and she shot him kind of in that dead zone between mm-hmm. no right, land. Yeah. I mean, it was too, there's nothing too low there. for back, too high for vitals. And I'm just sitting there and he's just standing there. I'm sitting there looking. He had turned around and I'm looking at the exit wound. It's just, it's pouring blood out of him, but it, I mean, it hit no vitals. So he starts walking and I'm sitting there looking at him. I'm looking at him. I said, if he gets to that wood line, I'm going to shoot him. So he gets right there to the wood line and I put it dead on him. I squeeze the trigger. Nothing touches him. I said, this gun is off. I said, it's got to be. And, um, so he stood, he stands behind a tree. What seems like 30 minutes would probably wasn't two or three minutes. And so I had three bullets in that gun. He walks out from behind a tree and I didn't know where it was shooting. And so I put it right behind his shoulder again, pulled the trigger, didn't touch him. I'm like, we're just going to sit here and watch. Him. We have probably another 30 minutes for dark. And so he, he lays down. I said, he's finna die. He's going to bleed out. He's going to die. So I hear a buggy coming right after dark. They come pick us up. Said, y'all shoot anything? I said, yeah, she shot a, she shot a, a I think it was a nine point. And, uh, I said, he, he, we watched him lay down. I said, he may not be dead, but we watched him lay down. So we, we ride the buggy over there to the edge of the woods and I, I start walking with my light and I see him. He's not dead and we didn't have another gun on us and I'm out of bullets. So I said, we're going to leave him. I didn't jump him. Nothing. I spotted him about a hundred yards in the woods. So we left. We go back to the camp. We eat supper and, uh, I grab my pistol out of the truck. I said, we'll bring it down there. And, and just in case he is, you know, still alive, I'll, I'll shoot him with this pistol. So we get down there. Another guy comes with us. It was, it was about four of us go down in there. We walk to where he had laid down and he wasn't there. It was a good, good puddle of blood. We walked down a little bit further and this guy ahead of me and I was sitting there trailing blood and he just started walking and he hollered, here he is. He's still alive. Well, he was laid up kind of against a brush pile and all I could see was about a foot below his ears. And he was looking dead away. Neck was up, head was up, couldn't see his body, but I could see the, you know, up above the base of his neck, probably about halfway up his neck. So I get probably, I don't know, 25 yards from him. I had a nine millimeter automatic. And if anybody knows me, I cannot shoot a pistol. I'll be the first one to tell you I cannot shoot a pistol accurately. So I sit there, I put it on that neck, pull the trigger, dust, uh, dirt flies up on the other side of him. He's never moved. And, uh, the guy said, get closer to him, get closer to him. So I walk about 15 yards. I shoot missing. Well, at that time, the deer turns around and looks dead at me. And I'm sitting there with an automatic nine millimeter pointed at him and he's looking at me. And right about the time I go to pull the trigger, he jumps up and starts running dead at me. And my wife is like 30 yards behind me and I start running and I just, I get gangster on him. I turn that nine millimeter to the side and I, <laughs> bow, bow, bow. and he gets, I don't know, 10 yards from me and just falls over. So long story short, we take him, get him, get him clean and all this. And, and my wife's uncle's a taxidermist, take him down there. And he calls me. He said, what did y'all shoot this deer with? I said, a 308. He said, no, what else did y'all shoot this deer with? And I'm like, she shot him with 308. I said, no. How, and I said, millimeter. how many nine millimeter holes have you saw? <laughs> he said, at least 10. <laughs> I mean, all I could think about was oh. them hordes coming dead at me. And I'm sitting oh, yeah. there and they had just thinned this timber. So it wasn't many trees. I'm sitting there just reaching behind me, hunting a tree I can get behind. And I'm running backwards, just firing this nine millimeter off at me. <laughs> Y'all, was that sideways shot that killed him. That was it. I got gangster on him and turned it to the side. Only <laughs> here on Outdoor Country Talk will you hear that we went gangster <laughs> on a deer. <laughs> well, I didn't think nothing about it. Everybody else started laughing when the deer fell over. I'm like, and I'm out of breath. I was about halfway scared that I'm going to get horned to death. And and they started laughing. I was like, what are y'all laughing about? I said, I wish we would have videoed how you held that pistol. And he started running at you. And now you were firing it at him. <laughs> Well, y'all, oh, I hate to do it, but we are running out of time. This yep. has been one of those that I have thoroughly enjoyed. 
Anthony, man, we're going to have to get you back on again. And, and without a doubt, keep us up to date on Blue Dog, man. And, and, yeah, we're going to have to hear some some retrieve from this duck season, how it's going with it. I think what we're going to have to do, I told Anthony earlier, we're going to have to make a hunt with it. Yeah. Blue Dog this year. Yeah, we're going to check it out. See how that runs. But, y'all, this has been another edition of Outdoor Country Talk. Thank you and God bless. God bless. Well, ain't nothing like a southerner. Lord, to make you feel all right. I got the windows down. I got the radio on.